Hello, and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle, and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. I hope you guys all had a sufficiently spooky season, because let me tell you, the Christmas people have already begun to come out of hibernation. And like, okay, I like Christmas. It's a fun holiday. Really? The pretty lights, the whole winter and staying cozy inside thing. Like, I enjoy that. But I'm definitely a Halloween person. And... I also grew up in Southern California where you don't really get a winter season there. You definitely kind of get the same weather you do every other day of the year. So it's not like we had any white Christmases growing up. Um, that's really something that kind of only exists in movies for me, so that might have something to do with it. Anyway, I went to one of my usual coffee shops the first day in November, like the day after Halloween, and they already had a Christmas wreaths up. Like, guys, chill. Let Thanksgiving exist as an idea before we strangle it with tinsel. Anyway, this has nothing to do with the women we're talking about this week. Our story this week takes us to Ireland, and we're not just talking one murderess, as you may have picked up, but we're talking two. Sisters who murdered their mother's abusive boyfriend and became internationally known as the Scissor Sisters. Their names are Linda and Charlotte Mulhall from Dublin, Ireland. So the Mulhall sisters were grew up in a working class area in Dublin and their parents were John and Kathleen Mulhall. There were a total of three boys and three girls in the family, so it was a big family. And their parents' marriage was definitely considered to be an unhappy one. Um, John Mulhall was allegedly really abusive and regularly beat his wife, and they would just constantly get into different screaming and fighting matches. Now, Kathleen, who's the mother of Linda and Charlotte, ended up divorcing this man and in 2002 began dating a man named Farah Swally Noor, um, the man who would end up being murdered by Charlotte and Linda. And I know usually we talk about Oh, he's a murder victim, but I hesitate to call him a victim just because, well, as we'll see, he was a pretty awful human being. When they began dating, Nora moved in with Kathleen and John took some of the kids and moved out. Eventually, Kathleen and Nora moved into their own place in Dublin in 2004 and John moved back into the old family home. A little bit about Nora before he started dating Kathleen. He arrived in Ireland in December of 1996, saying that he was a Somalian man whose family had been killed. Now, later investigations actually revealed that he was Kenyan and his family was still alive. He was ordered to be deported, but was able to appeal and granted citizenship in March of 1999 because he was a father to an Irish-born child. See, I use father as a very generous term because Nor was also an abusive alcoholic with four previous convictions for offenses like threatening and abusive behavior, assault, and public intoxication. In 1997, he actually raped a disabled 16-year-old girl who ended up giving birth to a son. Two other women were raped by him and also ended up having children, and they described him as being extremely violent and dangerous. He had actually been a person of interest in an unsolved murder in September of 1999, and this was something that multiple acquaintances of his said he seemed to brag about. Like He always maintained his innocence, but that he seemed to think that it was cool somehow that he was a person of interest or a suspect in this murder case. Ultimately, the Gardai, also known as the National Irish Police in the Republic of Ireland, cleared him from being a suspect, but still described him as being particularly violent towards women. As far as loss of life, 
Maybe this makes me a little bit callous, but it doesn't seem like it was that much of a loss. So now let's go ahead and talk about the murderesses and who they were. Linda Mulhall was 30 years old when she was involved in Noor's murder. She had dropped out of school early and was unemployed at the time of the murder. And she also had a history of alcohol and drug abuse, specifically heroin, and a prior conviction in 1993 for larceny. She was raising four children as a single parent. Now, Charlotte, her younger sister, was 23 at the time. And she had a history of minor convictions for criminal damage and public order offenses. Also, a history of drug and alcohol abuse and worked as a prostitute. Both women were described by the Gardai as being troubled and tough. On March 20th, 2005, Linda, Charlotte, their mother Kathleen, and Noor had gone out drinking in the Dublin city center. They walked around the city before stopping along the River Lefay boardwalk where Charlotte and her mom took ecstasy tablets. They then went to Kathleen's apartment where all of them again took more ecstasy pills and Kathleen then crushed a tablet into Noor's drink so that they were all on the same buzz. At one point in the afternoon, Linda and Noor were sitting on the couch with Charlotte sitting on the arm of it when Noor began touching Linda in a sexual way. He put his arms around her and according to Linda said, quote, something in my ear I did not understand, but I know it was dirty. It caused me to shiver. She said he then said something about them being creatures of the night and she turned to her mother to ask, what does he mean? When Kathleen walked in, she and Noor began arguing to the point where Kathleen allegedly told her daughters to quote, just kill him for me. At the time, there was a knife on the counter and Charlotte picked it up and told Noor to take his hands off of Linda before then slashing at him and cutting his throat. Now, this is a statement that comes from Linda when she would eventually come forward to the police. And because it's from Linda and then later corroborated by her sister and her mother, there's a few differences in account. So one account says that he was still alive at this point and began threatening the women and he staggered through the bedroom door and hit his head on the edge of the bed there. And that was where Linda says in her interview, she picked up the hammer and quote, hit him on the head loads of times, a good few times and Charlotte stabbed him. Kathleen was apparently there witnessing and when she saw Noor was dead, she screamed and said to quote, get him out. There's also another account that said that Charlotte's initial slash of his throat uh, caused him to collapse and it was from there that Linda then took the hammer and began beating him with it until he was dead um, And Charlotte was just stabbing him. Linda and Charlotte then dragged his body to the bathroom where according to Linda It was Charlotte's idea to chop up his body They took turns using a small a knife to saw off various limbs and each of them quickly became tired Linda told the guard eye that the smell was it wouldn't go away. I think about it every night She said she had used a hammer to hit his legs um, and they they put towels over his legs to stop the blood from running out. They both took turns doing the both jobs and said it took a few hours to do it. Um, after having dismembered the body through the different parts in various black plastic bags before then making multiple trips down to the canal and throwing them in. Now one of the biggest things that came up during this case was the fact that Noor's head and also his penis were never found. The penis, Linda says, that she threw into the river with the rest of the body parts, so that was kind of given up, I think, as a lost cause. Um, but it was really the head that was confusing investigators because they couldn't find it anywhere. Um, in Linda's initial statement, she says that they decided to not throw the head in with the body so that if the body parts were found, 
he wouldn't be easily identified. Instead, they took a bus to the shopping center near Tainan Park North and walked around there until Charlotte finally dug a hole with a knife and they buried the head in the park. Uh, meanwhile, Kathleen had taken the murder weapons, the knives, and the hammer used and thrown them into a body of water nearby the park where the head was originally buried. So in her first statement, Linda says that something kept telling her to go back to the park so that she took one of her son's school bags and used it to take the head from where they'd buried it to another field not too far away where she then, quote, kissed the bag and told Noor, I was sorry. She claims that she stayed in the field for a long time and ended, and ended up drinking an entire liter bottle of vodka. She made sure to burn the bag used to carry the head and hit the head with another hammer to break it up into smaller pieces. At the end of her statement, she says, it's not my fault it happened. I'm sorry. If I could turn back time, I would. To me, it's still your fault. Like, saying it's not my fault when you had an active role in a murder doesn't do anything. You guys were... You guys dismembered the body, and then you moved the head. You guys decapitated to a new spot where it still, to this day, has never been found. So, it's not my fault. Just get out of here with that. But it did seem like they would get away with it at first. It wasn't until 10 days later that a leg was seen floating in the canal that the case began to, that the case opened. Noor's leg with a sock on the end was seen floating in the canal near Croke Park and police divers or the Garde divers retrieved most of the body in seven parts before then turning to the media to help identify who this person was. Um, Noor was only identified when someone recognized the shirt that had been on his torso at the time. There was also a large reward being offered for any for any information and the man came forward was the one who not only identified the body but led the Gardai to the Mulhall women um, because he knew that Nor was dating Kathleen. In August, Charlotte, Kathleen, and Linda were all arrested, but all three of them denied any knowledge of what happened. It wasn't until weeks later that Linda came forward with her admission, and the Garde took her voluntary statement from her in her home in August of 2005. And up until Linda came forward, there had been limited progress made with this case, um, which honestly makes me wonder if Linda had never come forward, would they have actually gotten away with this murder? Um, because of her statement, they were able to search Kathleen's apartment, and um, th it was then that they found bloodstains that were then matched to Nora's DNA. Now, almost immediately after hearing that her daughter confessed in September of 2005, Kathleen fled the country, and she wasn't heard from again until January of 2008, where she was found living in England. Linda and Charlotte were both charged with the murder and pleaded not guilty. Um, they went to trial in October of 2006, and like I said, this trial had a ton of publicity. Just from the horrendous nature of the crimes and the rumors that had been spread because of it. Um, most people thought, some people thought that because just because of the way that Nora had been killed and just the brutality of it, that it was some kind of ritual killing. So the media was, of course, all over it. And Charlotte and Linda were dubbed the Scissor Sisters due to the general stabbiness and dismemberment that this crime had. And what the judge later said was an attempt to being declared incompetent for trial or to delay the trial, 
Linda was hospitalized for an attempted suicide and an appeal to halt the trial that she filed was denied. Their trial ended in December of 2006 when Charlotte was given a mandatory life sentence and Linda was given 15, a 15 year sentence for manslaughter. Both sisters tried to appeal their sentence with Linda appealing the severity of her sentence on the grounds that it was filed without a psychiatric or probation report and Charlotte on the grounds that the judge had put pressure on the jury to reach a verdict. Um, both these appeals later failed. It was Justice Paul Carney who was presiding over the trial who said that during sentence it was quote the most grotesque killing that has occurred in my professional lifetime. After hearing of his daughter's sentences, their father, John, committed suicide by hanging himself in Phoenix Park. But even after being sentenced, the media continued to report on the Mulhall family. In February of 2008, Kathleen Mulhall voluntarily returned to Ireland when she was found living in England and faced several charges. She pleaded guilty to helping clean up the crime scene in order to conceal the evidence and was sentenced to five years in prison in May of 2009, which means that, assumingly, she's been released by now. Now, before her mother's sentencing in April of 2009, Linda made news when she claimed to fellow inmates that instead of moving Norris' head to a field like how she'd said in her police report, she had actually smashed Noor's head and then spread the pieces in different trash cans around Phoenix Park. It's then reported in the media as, quote, the final secret of the Scissor Sisters. Now, in 2008, Charlotte actually ended up, 2008 was like a busy year for the Mohal family. They were in the news constantly. Uh, Charlotte ended up in a national controversy when a photograph of her holding a knife to the throat of a male prisoner in Mountjoy Prison was leaked to the press. As a result of this, security in Irish prisons was increased and Charlotte was moved to another prison in Limerick. Apparently this picture was taken because Charlotte and her friend both worked in the kitchen duty, on kitchen duty, and they had smuggled in a cell phone and it seems like for some kind of birthday celebration, they had made a cake and taken a picture together. This picture was not Charlotte threatening this man by holding a knife, but it was her kind of joking with this man by holding a knife up to him because they were both laughing and smiling in the picture. But either way, it kind of begs the security question of how secure is this place if someone known for stabbing a man to death is able to hold a knife to another person's throat, you know? It's just, maybe that's, I don't know. It's, it's definitely, it definitely made national headlines and caused a lot of controversy here. And then one of the girls' brothers, James Mulhall, ended up pleading guilty to the robbery of two prostitutes, also in 2008, and his excuse was that he had robbed the woman to support his own six children and his sister Linda's four children who he had gained custody of after she was jailed or after she was put in prison. So like I said, 2008-2009 was kind of a resurgence of the Mulhall sisters, of the Mulhall family really in the media. And that is the story of Linda and Charlotte Mulhall aka the Scissor Sisters. I would love to know what you guys thought of this episode please feel free to reach out to me at Frumious Reads, that's F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S, on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, anywhere and everywhere. Make sure you also follow the podcast to stay up to date with 
all the new murderous women we talk about every week. And you can follow the podcast on your favorite streaming platform, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Libsyn, Amazon, anywhere and everywhere. We're basically available at any place you want to stream, really. Like I said, I'd love to know what you guys think of this episode. Feel free to reach out to me and let me know if there's anything important I missed or any updates as to what's happened to the Mulhall sisters or the Mulhall family lately. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you guys later. Stay spooky, friends. Goodbye.